This is the OHL in 60 podcast. I'm Reese Demaney along with Colin Ward. And oh, another good show coming up for you this week. Apologies oh, yeah. on the delay about 24 hours later. A little bit of a scheduling conflict on Monday, but we're all good to go. Recording on Tuesday to release on Wednesday. And uh, by a fun show, I mean, we have a pretty cool segment coming up uh, in segment number two. Of course, this follows uh, running through our thoughts on the overall weekend, week this past week. Uh, players of the week, of course, uh, some big-time exposure on NHL Network coming up for, for the Ontario yeah, Hockey League. Sure so that's, that's pretty big. Uh, new developments in the CHL and NCAA discussion. So we'll touch on that a little bit and then head into segment number two, which will include who's in and who's not. I think this, and Colin had had brought it up, this idea to do this. So give credit where credit's due. But you know, we're at the point in the season that I think this discussion could be had. You know, we're within 20 games, less than 20 games to go in the in the regular season. It's, it's hard to think that it's Valentine's Day, uh, February oh, 14th. Oh, wow, Family Day weekend. Yeah, so, hey, shout out to everybody who works, only having a th- or only having a four-day week next week, a three-day weekend coming up. That's clutch. Hey. Which my schedule finally got switched for my work. As of noon on Tuesday, I was working on Family Day, so that was an interesting tidbit until I saw the notification come through before I logged off. But yeah, I'll be enjoying that three-day weekend. So we will touch on who we think is going to be in the playoffs, who we think is going to be out of the playoffs when it's all said and done in the regular season. Then we're going to also flip it to the top, who we think will be the four division winners around the Ontario Hockey League once the regular season is over. And then, of course, we'll we'll look ahead to this coming week, this coming weekend, and then touch on the power rankings as well, which I may have been wrong in my choice for my power rankings last week, as they will be quite different. Maybe not quite different. Top two teams still remain the Five. same. Five. Um, the next three have definitely changed, I will say. So we'll we'll get into that as always to to round out the show. Uh, this week's show being uh, released on a Wednesday. So let's kick it off. NHL Network is going to be broadcasting three OHL games coming up in the month of February, and one of them, well, if you're listening to it Wednesday night, is going on right now while you're listening to the show. If you're listening to it afterwards, of course, this. This game will have already been in the books, but the Niagara Ice Dogs, Erie Otters on Valentine's Day. They are game number one of three. Uh, that'll be broadcast on the NHL Network. And then the I-75 Divide Cup, which is which is pretty sweet that they're doing that one between Flint and Saginaw, the game happening uh, in Saginaw. And then I would say probably the biggest game of them all happening on the 28th. So these are all Wednesdays as well, um, if everybody's wondering. I like yeah. that. Yeah, and after this past Sunday, I would say this is definitely the best matchup of all three. The uh, Oshawa Generals visit the London Knights. And of course, the Knights turning the tables on the Oshawa Generals down 3 nothing. They come yeah. all the way back to win it 4-3 in overtime. And I think we were going to eventually bring up this game, Colin, because, yeah. you know, at a certain point, and of course, you know, us being the first priority of watching the the Brantford Bulldogs and, and getting ready for the dog cast coming up this week and making sure we see every every part of the game we got to a point where 
it kind of seemed pointless, <laughs> you know, with a blowout win for the Bulldogs on that one. So I had actually switched the channel and I switched it for the puck drop just after the third goal. So I saw the end of the third as well as overtime. And right I, I went back, watched the highlights, watched some of the game as well. But you know, you, you watch how the rest of the third unfolded, how overtime unfolded. You know, London gets a power play in overtime, can't score. Actually, they were over on the power play in that game, which it's is a rarity for them. Yeah, huge accomplishment to the generals. Kind of shows you how good their penalty kill is and how much better it's gotten as the season has gone along. But, you know, calling this game just I, – I don't want to say it had to feel like it could be an OHL finals matchup because I don't think it will be, at least – on the east side of it, but it it had the feeling that Oshawa was on such a heater. London was on a such a heater. You have Oshawa fighting to get back into the division lead over the Bulldogs. You've got the Knights looking to continue the point streak. Part of it happened. I mean, the Generals got a point closer with the overtime loss, but the Knights ended up to, to continue that point streak, Colin. And yeah, I think, you know, it wasn't a six oh five start to end the weekend as Oshawa usually is, but it was a it was a good game to finish off the week on if you're able to tune in. One hundred percent, it was, and for the London Knights, I mean, twenty three games in a row with a point. Where is everybody talking about this success? The London Knights are thirty eight eleven zero and three this year. Where's the talk about the twenty three games in a row with a point? Like it's kind of odd, eh? How like is this the quietest best streak? In OHL history at this point, like 23 games in a row with a point is pretty tough to do. And only two of them, obviously, an extra time, the rest in regulation. And I mean, they're two losses, right? But it just shows how tight it is and how good this team is playing. And it's kind of odd how it's such a quiet streak. We talk about it every week. It feels like for the last three weeks, we've heard, we've talked about this streak. I mean, Easton Cowan, 21 game point streak, that's the longest as well in the year. But Nobody's talking about this, and it's like this team's for real, and this team's nasty. And um, I'm glad we started off with that game because, wow, Oshawa blowing that lead really hurts. I mean, this team, this team with all the momentum that they had after the win against Brantford to come out since then and not win a game isn't good at all. And it's one of those things, you know, they have an investigation going on. Um, Connor Lockhart suspended indefinitely. Um, yeah. We're not going to get too much into that one, but that obviously divides a locker room. Oh, it doesn't divide a locker room, but it shakes a locker room up. You definitely have a lot of outside noise now in the locker room. So that's something that could be a season defining moment um, for them when they're tested adversity. And we're seeing that right now. I mean, they're all three since the investigation announcement, right? So it's kind of interesting to see how that's going to play out for the generals with all that going on. And it's easier said than done just to block out the noise. Right. So, yeah. Um, that's a game that Oshawa had to win, and that's twice now Oshawa's blown big big leads this year. Um, they did it earlier against Peterborough, and now they did it again on on Sunday. And, I mean, Sunday's games were crazy, right? You saw the Bulldogs, as you mentioned, three shorthanded goals on one penalty, a franchise record for three penal- three shorthanded goals on a penalty kill um, is incredible. And then the Sudbury-Mississauga game, wow. I mean, fireworks. Sudbury-Mississauga well, ties it. I think there was just something weird in the water altogether on we Sunday had, in the well, hey, Hockey League. Like, you know what it was? It, remember it happened last year on the exact on Super Bowl weekend. 
every year at Super Bowl weekend or and family day, the games you cannot control it. It's what makes you love the OHL. And you're starting to see the desperation, right? In the game. It's one of the things I had down on my thoughts of the week, Reese. You're starting to see the desperation come out now by these guys, right? Like you're starting to see good plays, but you're also starting to see bad plays, aka headbutting. Um, what the hell are guys thinking? Um, and maybe yeah. we can touch on that a little bit because it's kind of odd. Like, I don't know, it seems so pointless. Like, come on. But it's one of those things that, hey, if it happens, we got to talk about it. And it's happened twice this week. And it's something, too, as well. On Sunday, it was like one of those games where you're starting to see the desperation, right? You're starting to see teams were down, but we got to find a way, right? The standings mean a little bit more now. Teams are looking at the standings now. And it's almost as if this week coming family day, it kind of means where the team, where the teams that, it, if you're not in a playoff spot, if you're not within four points, do you, are you going to even make the playoffs? Like, you know, then that's why I think it's a good time to talk about this who's in, who's not in the conferences or divisions as well. Because it's like when you're some of those teams and you're more than four points out of the playoffs, I mean, there's only less than 20 games to go. You got to have a really good stretch, right? In your next 10 games, if you have to expect another team to go 500 and you got to go like seven and three in your next 10, that's yeah. tough to do. You got to, you're expected to pl- go on your best streak of two weeks of ge- of great hockey when the schedule obviously gets harder if you're in the bottom four in the standings and you have to play your best hockey after that. It's kind of tough. But um, I know a couple of weeks ago I came on and talked about Erie, and I mean, they dropped four games. They won the game after that with Charlie Burns standing on his head, but then they're 0-4 since, um, losing four games in a row. Ben Godreau goes down. I mean, that's a tough one, right, for them. So it's going to be – it definitely was an interesting week. Um, great to see the uh, Ben Godreau uh, tribute in Sarnia. Yeah, That was really cool. That was a nice touch by the Sarnia Sting. It was a great video. Um, and uh, he meant a lot to that franchise, so that was nice when he can have a guy come back like that and have a return. Um, just unfortunately, he can play. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I would have liked to see him. I mean, it's still not really normal to see him in something other than a Sarnia Sting jersey. Oh, but it's yeah. weird. No, it's it, it was still a cool, cool moment by the Sting. And, you know, to cap off the weekend, I just did some math. And don't worry, I didn't do it myself. My calculator helped me out. Uh, 46 goals were scored on Sunday through the five games. 11-1, to Brantford beats Peterborough. 8-7, Sudbury beats Mississauga. Two normal games. London wins 4-3 in overtime. Saginaw wins 3-0 over the Sioux. And then back to odd. 9-0 the North Bay Battalion beat the Kingston Front X. So total of 46 goals on Sunday before we hit the Super Bowl. Uh, to the We'll get to the player and goaltender of the week. Uh, so we'll start. Oh. What's up? I have one more thing after that, if that's okay. Oh yeah, yeah, we'll man. The, absolutely. We do the players. No, we can do the players of the week first, and I have one more after that. Yeah, yeah. No, no problem at all, Colin. Um, we'll start with get David Goyette, Sudbury Wolves, three goals, six assists, nine points for him. Also a plus three as the Sudbury Wolves got themselves three victories this weekend. Goaltender of the week, Barry Colts, Ben West couple of wins for him 931 save percentage 81 total saves as goals against average was three even so he was phenomenal the Colts have put themselves in a very nice position um in the Eastern Conference and you know separating themselves from the 10th place ice dogs and ninth place 
Peterborough Pete. So Ben West, a big part of that this past week. And uh, Colin, I know something you wanted to bring up as well. Uh, Barry Colts head coach, Marty Williamson. Yeah. You know, really a couple of, couple of big things to mention. I mean, one thousand games as a, as a head coach, of course, that split between Niagara uh, and Barry, but uh, he is also as, has not missed the playoffs uh, yeah. as a head coach in the Ontario hockey. Isn't that impressive? And thanks for bringing that up. Cause that's what I wanted to mention. Reese. It's just very impressive for that track record, make the playoffs every year. And I mean, everyone says, right. Um, only two teams in each conference. So four teams in general out of the 2016 make it. It's like those odds look pretty good, but in the interior hockey, like you got to realize how hard it is to stay in a playoff spot every year. Like that, the 16, that, excellence that you can keep having every year and for a team like Barry I mean this year right it's been a tough year but Marty really they've come on the rise here they played good hockey they're five three and two in their last 10 I mean they're over 500 and if you can do that if you can play if you can tread water and play 500 you're gonna get in the playoff spot and that's a team when watching Marty they're a tough out in the playoffs like a very intriguing matchup right now the playoffs started today and I saw the Western Hockey League tweet out Monday afternoon or Tuesday afternoon, if the playoffs started today, these would be the matchups. The OHL would be very intriguing. Very intriguing in the first round. You have Sudbury and Barry in the East, which I think is a tough first round. I think if I I think for Sudbury, you'd want to play Peterborough any day of the week in a first round for the in a first round matchup. But looking at Barry, they're well coached and get the matchup. They have a goaltender. They actually have two goaltenders when you look at the OHL goal of the week and Ben West. Right, like that's dangerous. So if they can find a way, I mean, Sudbury's a team where that could be adversity for a team like Sudbury in the first round, but also they can do what Peterborough did last year and really cruise and hit their stride and peak at the right time. And then when you look at Brantford Kingston right now in the first round, that would be a tough one. Kingston's so good defensively. You have North Bay Mississauga in the first round. Who knows? If there's any team in the Ontario Hockey League that deserves a championship run, it's the North Bay Battalion. Adam Dennis. Ryan Willihan have done a fantastic job. They have deserved their running. This is their third crack at the can here before a rebuild, before a tough rebuild. Hopefully North Bay, hopefully the fans in North Bay can stick it out and keep contributing to that team, keep supporting that team during the rebuild because you know they're going to go through a long rebuild, so hopefully they can continue to do so. But that's an impressive matchup. But then the 4-5 series is always impressive, and that would be Oshawa-Ottawa. Like, that's... That's a really good series. So right now in the Eastern Conference, everyone talked about how the Eastern Conference, right? It's kind of what is the conference, but that's going to be good hockey in the first round in the East. Yeah, no, it will be. And that's why I think our conversation coming up, maybe not necessarily about the the teams who we think will be out, who will be in, because you know, we're starting to get to a point where there's a little bit of a stretch, a little bit of a gap between. But you know, the division leaders, especially when you look at the top four or five teams, Potentially yeah. six in the in the Eastern Conference, right? So, no, it, it it'll be interesting, and and I think one more point that I had, and this is this is hilarious because we never get to do this because it's always released on Tuesdays. But um, Knights and Spirit, the only two teams included in the in the CHL top ten rankings. Yeah, bold. That's that. That's all I've got for yeah. headlines this week, Wardy. Anything um, else before we hit the break? Yeah, two more. I guess we talked about the headbutting. We've had two suspensions: Jackson Edward, Noah Roberts, headbutting suspensions. Yeah. So, so what do you think of that? Yeah, I think it's dumb. The Roberts one was absolute. It was, that was dumb. That was dumb. Yeah. So, and and maybe you can answer this a little bit better from 
and understanding why anyone would do this. And <laughs> it's funny because it comes off a weekend that we thoroughly enjoyed uh, Ridley yeah. Gregg taking a clapper into an empty net and then Morgan Riley cross-checking him in the head. We thoroughly yeah. enjoyed everything. I mean, we don't I, like I people cross-checking Riley... people in the head, but the whole thing we we enjoyed thoroughly. I wish Ridley Gregg would have did the uh, Demarius Thomas against the Detroit Lions on Sunday Night Football in 2015 when he <laughs> caught um, when Peyton Manning threw him that bomb and then he just walked backwards into the end zone, got the unsportsman like. But that would have been hilarious if he had just skated the puck backwards yeah. and just tapped it, waited for him to come and then tapped it in. That would have been, been awesome. hilarious. Um, yeah. So, so I, and not to say that any part of that it's Toronto was dumb. Yeah, I mean, you could say it was, you know, cross-checking a guy in the head. I mean, I can see where people say that it ri- it rode up his shoulder, but who cares? It still hit him in the head afterwards, so that was a stupid point to say. for people You control your stick. Um, so, I mean, whether you want to look at what Greg did was dumb, what Riley did was dumb, um, you know, the headbutting we saw, and, and again, this is why I ask you this, Colin, because you played at a much higher level than I did. Um, I was a big old house league dude. Uh, baseball was my thing but you know it's it's something that yeah it's avoidable there's was no reason to do it in robert's scenario we were there we saw it firsthand there was no fight there was no scrum it was, it was just two guys looking at each other staring each other down and horrible just so happened that robert's pushed his head forward at uh i believe it was wang from the, from yeah, the flint Matthew wang on flint yeah so that was a scenario where you know Wang just got in his head. Roberts got pissed off, and for whatever reason, felt the need to headbutt him. Like honestly, it, I, you know, like is it is it something that is magnified? A because it wasn't really a fight or a scrum, or is it just dumb either way? Well, it made zero sense. This was a non-necessary, and that's why I think honestly, I think the league has to start looking into accountability for guys that go out of their way to do something that isn't educated like this situation that we had. This is a situation. It's after the whistle. Mateo drove back to goaltender for the Bulldogs has it whistled. It was off an icing one or the other plays done. These two come back. Noah Roberts turns backwards faces um, kind of grabs Wang by the Jersey. He says something. Wang says something back. I don't even think Wang said that much. Wayne, honestly, in the videos and stuff, being there live, Reese, we saw it right in front of us happen. Yeah. It didn't even look like Wang said anything. And then all of a sudden, Noah Roberts just headbutts him. And it's like, well, that in that situation, if I'm in the league, I'm looking at accountability. Is that something that really needs to be happening? That's where I think there has to be a standard set there, which oh, we all know there hasn't been a standard set coming into suspensions in the last three years. I don't know what the standard is with uh, with calls, with officiating. So does- I have no clue what the standard is. But one thing is, Reese, th- in that case scenario, I know it's just the generic two games. They got to yeah. give them more than two. You got to learn from that. Well, that that's where I was going next is – You've got the you've got the two games for a slew foot, which is equally as dangerous. So yep. you could you could think about upping that. But do you do you think we would ever get to a point where you know the league looks at scenarios like headbutting, like slew footing, maybe not necessarily the the fights or or the new rule we found out about the the boarding, boarding yeah. call is that's is an a absolute joke. Suspension. I don't get that at all. 
I don't like that one either. You know, do we get into a point where slew footing and, you know, headbutting, not that headbutting happens very often, but, you know, it is a harsher penalty, maybe not doubling it to four, but maybe starting with three. Do you think we get to a point of that? Well, the thing is with slew footing, right? It's, it's almost like a reactionary penalty, right? Because like sometimes you'll see a slew foot where, yeah, you can tell the guy did that on purpose. But then the odd time you'll see a, a race to the puck and you'll just see the guy's foot in stride go through the other guy's foot and take him out where it's like almost like an accidental slew foot. But I think that's a judgment call, right? In any other sport, you always see this, right? The judgment call. Baseball's perfectly, well, not as bad. It's not like it used to be where now with all the video review, the manager can stand out there for 20 minutes and think about a challenge. Um, but it used to always be judgment judgment calls. That's one where I think the league has to review that and has to think, is that intentional or is it non-intentional? If it's not intentional, it's two games. You mean instead of just the automatic two? You yes. Just, instead of the two, you just look at it and yes. make a determination off of that. Absolutely. I think that, and then I think the headbutt, the headbutt is the headbutting penalties is that something you needed to take? In my opinion, no. So why isn't there a harsher penalty on that, right? And that's a big question. I want to know about that because, yes, it's a development league, but it's a privilege to play in the Ontario Hockey League. And it's not a very skilled play when a headbutt like the one that we saw, Reese, take place. Yeah. It wasn't It wasn't a smart play at all. It was not a smart play, and it cost the Bulldogs a game, you could say. That was one of those plays that was not a good play. It didn't have, and it was one of those plays where I think it should extend games and suspensions. It did not have to be made. That uh, that action did not have to be made. And if that action didn't come, we wouldn't even be talking about this. But yeah. since it was an action, I think it's got to be more than two games because the the injury the injury chances on that play are so dangerous. If Wang's visor was up tilted up and Roberts gets him with a visor right in the eye, he could lose an eye. Like it's so much insurance on that play as well. And it's a play that it's a, exactly. It's a lot of dollar dollar on that play. And it is a play that can be minimized. And I think as a league, we are getting so much more skilled. The OHL is more skilled than it's ever been. Let's be honest here. Every year there's a guy or two that goes to the NHL right away and lights it up. And yeah. it's not a surprise from us in the league. Mason McTavish is not a surprise last year. Arbor Jacki for us being with the Bulldogs those two years, those two players is not a surprise. If they if anyone with Windsor that covered Wyatt Johnston, it's not a surprise. It's Matthew, one of those Matthew Potras exactly year this Boston. year in Boston exactly, and it's one of those things. It's really not a surprise. Every year next year, there's going to be another one from the Ontario Hockey League that steps up, probably Houston Cowan in Toronto, and it's one of those things where. That doesn't need to be made. We're getting more skilled. We're getting every year. We're getting talent going right to the NHL. That stuff doesn't need to be a part of the league. We got to start penalizing on that stuff. But obviously, we don't know a standard. We see games where there's seven misconducts. There's 11 misconducts in a game, seven on one team. You see the bench with eight guys on the team, on the bench. And then the other bench, you see 15. It's like, what's going on here? There is There hasn't been a standard this year. And, it, and it's gone back to three years now. Since the return, um, since the return in 2021 or 2022, 2022, there hasn't been a standard that has been set. Remember before how deep how steep the penalty how steep the suspensions were? 
remember Nick Cousins getting a big suspension. I remember um, growing up a Knights fan, the Rupert's always in trouble getting multiple game suspensions. I remember Anthony Stolarz took a suspension before in a pl- in the playoffs. It's in like those are big suspensions. Where are those now? Where are those? So that's my question is, mm. and I think we really have the to. The Boltons took one of those. <laughs> yeah, and that was well deserved. And where but, has? But you're right. It's the first where, one in God t- knows how long. Exactly. And what has Sawyer Bolton done since returning? And that's the one thing that my questions are. You got to set. I, it, to, in my opinion, the league sent a message to him, and it was a well-received message, and he hasn't been really in the doghouse. I know he plays on a line, and I respect the way he plays, but it's one of those things where he's you play on a fine line, you cross it, you pay the piper. And it's one of those things where you have to do that because as a league, it's too skilled to water that down. It's way too skilled to worry about that. So that's why I just look at it as if one of those situations where why do we have to have this? Why do we even have to talk to headbutting penalties? Like, why is that a thing? So that's part of the reason why I really wish that that would be cracked down on and maybe send a message. Maybe give a five-game suspension on that. It was clearly intentional. Yeah. Give him a five-game. He loses five yeah, games that's... at 68. That's a, that's a harsh penalty for a guy in his draft year. That's yeah. a harsh penalty. Yeah, that's the thing. It's it. I I get the automatic. You might have time restraints, and you know, I I get that. Although in the OHL, I think you have a lot more time. Maybe not a lot, but a bit more time than say the yeah. NHL might. But I think yeah, it, you you have to take a look at a the intent. Um, I mean, it's <laughs> with a headbutt, it's pretty hard to do that accidentally. In in my opinion, like I think the intent exactly, is and that's why in every situation. So and I that's think, why I think the needingless penalties need to be weaved out. They need to be hit with the hammer on those. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not necessarily the result. Like nobody was affected as a result of the, of the head. Yeah. But that's one thing. It's the intent of it. It's something that's not accidental. Like if you hit him in the eye eye with your visor, that hurts. That knocks an eye out. So. Yeah. Um, What's that last point you had? You had one more headline before we hit the break. Yeah. CHL NCAA. Um, Yes. Right. I know we touched on this last week. We really had a good debate about it, but I didn't think we really got to indulge all the rights and the wrongs. Obviously, like you mentioned, Reese, I like that you mentioned this point. It wrecks the uh, U Sports hockey. It wrecks the U Sports hockey. U Sports is huge for OAs moving on, graduating into into Canadian universities. Also, another thing is with that, look at the Canadian universities um, filing bankruptcy and that are in trouble right now. It's one of those things that helps getting more academics in, right? It's that's a nice problem to have. They have a scholarship fund. They're coming to the university. That's a, that's a free one, right? Yeah. That's a nice that's a nice ad. It kind of it has a such a watered down effect, right? The OJ it would hurt the um, BCHL, the couple leagues out there in the dub, like underneath the dub. You can see it really that would struggle as well. There's already pro- conflict out there, and it's something where that's a huge negative where I don't know if it's a good thing because one from a U.S. standpoint, it wrecks the USHL. It wrecks the USHL that they just built up Two, they put all that money into the U S national development program for the USHL to build. Where would that go? Yeah. And then from the, from the CHL standpoint, junior B provincial junior A and the OHL for people in Ontario, would be so watered down if this could happen. 
It would stink. And also, it takes a 16, 17-year-old spot away. We talked about this last week, Reese, about Trevor Zegris and um, Jack Hughes having their rights owned by Mississauga. So here's my question is, so Jack Hughes, Trevor Zegris could go to Mississauga. They get drafted at 18. Then they go to one goes to Michigan, one goes to Boston. Um, and then that's where they go to school. They take off after just two years. But what happens, though, to that 16-year-old that they had, Mississauga had in that draft class, is no longer, right? He doesn't get an opportunity to play in the Ontario Hockey League at 16 years old because of that. And then they just leave after two years. That's the one thing I have to that one. And then also, if this deal doesn't go through, which it doesn't sound like a coaching standpoint, and I think you mentioned earlier, Reese. Where, as a coaching standpoint, it doesn't make sense for either side, the CHL or the uh, NCAA. Because either way, the CHL, okay, so I know I have a guy for two years, and then once he gets drafted, he's going to go home and play at his college because he's always wanted to play there. And he doesn't have to play in the USHL. He can play in front of more scouts in the OHL. Yeah. Right? That's kind of a downgrade um, to the league as well. It's kind of it turns into a feeder system, and then all of a sudden you don't get those 18- to 20-year-olds there should be a purpose there and there should be a clause that you can't uh, leave that um, current team that you're committed to unless your NHL team assigns you, which possibly, but that to me, yeah. if this doesn't go through, which I don't think it's going to go through, but it's probably something we'll hear in the spring summerish after the NCAA season, the Ontario hockey or the CHL season for that matter. Um, that's probably when we'll hear more about it. And also if this is the case, if I'm the CHL, and this sounds more of a yes, it's going to happen. Um, but it's one of those things where he's, this prospects game, this CHL versus the best American. That's what I was, I was about to bring that that's up. That's got to go out the window then. Yeah, that has that's to go out gone. the window. That makes zero sense. If if the CHL does this after this this gets this partnership doesn't come through, it makes absolutely zero sense to give the 30 best players out of the US uh, the USHL a chance to play. On your broadcast, like in your against your players, that makes zero sense to do that. If you can't have a partnership for future play for players to be able to go there after they're done, the Ontario Hockey League or the CHL is an absolute joke yeah. to play that game. Why would you do that? Why would you give them the free publicity and give that and take 30 players, 30 players out of your league across your leagues for that? I don't yeah. think so. I think that's a horrible idea. I don't know why these guys are talking about this. These big name insiders are talking about this, but to me, it makes zero sense to do this game. Obviously, a two out of three series, I would love that, but it only helps if you can play there in the future. Yeah, after your OA season. Yeah, and and for anyone wondering why we're talking about this two weeks in a row, um, scrolling through Twitter or X. Uh, saw a tweet from from Jimmy Connolly. He's a member of the Hockey East broadcast team on Nesson, so New England Sports Network. Boston. He's an average golfer, so kind of like us. <laughs> I find that funny when people put that in their bios. But uh, he uh, he tweeted out on on the twelfth, so Monday. I saw this on Tuesday. According to a source familiar with the discussions, the potential NCAA legislation that would allow CHL players to play college hockey after playing major junior does not have strong support among NCAA Division I coaches and athletic directors, likely a dead issue. 
All right. I, mean, I, I get still kind of early to say it's a dead yeah. issue. I get where he's going, and it very well could be. Um, but I think the discussion's still early, early enough. I right. think that it still has has some some legs. But at the same time, for right. for this point, if if you allow this, you what are how reluctant do you think CHL teams are to now pick these Americans in the draft? Well, yeah. So you, you think about it. and it's the minor hockey system. Well, and that's the thing. And, and you look at football's different, but you can see kids that are, you know, 15, 16 years old, whatever sport it might be, committing to schools. What are the odds they change their mind, go to a different school? And then the select few change their minds again. And decide to go to a different school, right? What if we get into a situation where, you know, you've got you you've got the word from the player, I'm here for as long as you need me until you know I move on. Oh, and then all of a sudden the situation changes when you get a phenomenal offer from Boston or or the University of Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, whatever school it might be, right? You know, if, if this thing happened, let's say five years ago. And and I'm not saying these players would have done this. Obviously, every situation is different. Every player is different. Every family is different. But would we see Quentin Musty for more than two years? Would we see yeah. any of the Hayes brothers for more than two years? They're all Michigan. They're all Michigan guys. They're they're Wolverines. Yeah. If they got an offer to play at the University of Michigan, again, different situation for each guy. They might, yeah. you know. Obviously, we know we know Avery. We had him on the. Uh, on the Hammertown podcast, now the dog cast. And, you know, we absolutely loved his time with the Bulldogs and of yeah. course winning another championship at the Peets. I'm sure he loved that as well, you know, but it's just it, in the back of your head, you're thinking, you know, all these Hayes brothers, phenomenal talents. If they get an offer from the university of Michigan, how tempting is that for them? Right. So, yeah. so would that end Americans being drafted into the Ontario hockey league? Maybe not end, but, but we might not see very many. And here's another point. And here's another point, Reese. Macklin Celebrini this year. Adam Fantilli last year. Owen Power before. Yeah. Those three players are Canadian. I think this I think the situation we heard this situation. I mean, Fantilli going to Chicago was interesting. I think that's the most intriguing one because does Fantilli does Fantilli actually go to Saginaw then if it's two years and now end up at Michigan? Yeah. There's the flip side question. Celebrini went to Boston, went to college because he wants to play against older player talent. That's the only reason why he wants to play against older, older which talent. I, re- I respect. I respect, I respect that, that too. I respect that too. But is it a tougher decision to make if he can play two years in the Ontario Hockey League, yeah. get his draft stock up against his similar age peers, and then go to college if he doesn't make the NHL right away? Yeah. There's another thing. And all these players that we're talking about are elite players that usually don't go back to college after they're drafted. So that's another thing where it's kind of looking at that option. But this whole situation, man, it's funny how you read that tweet out, right, from an NCAA reporter, right? He's on the team NCAA. We're obviously on the team CHL side. It's kind of <laughs> it, it, to put comedy into this. Podcast showdown? <laughs> <laughs> no, oh yeah, that most definitely, most definitely. Got to find on, a team Boston. to play in the state. Bring it on, Boston. Oh yeah, but you know what this feels like? It feels like in the movie Step Brothers when um when uh Brendan Hoff is going to uh 
Robert and Dale Doback's house for the first time. And he's like, Robert better not get in my face. This is autumn. This is what this is. This not what it feels like. It kind of does. You hear them talk. And like, you know how then like uh, Dale and his dad are at their house talking about the exact better same not thing. touch my drum set. Yeah. Yeah. With the rules of the house. This yeah. is what it feels like. Yeah. This is what the situation feels like. It has come to real life. We're we're dealing with that right now, which is hilarious. But um, obviously, I think it if it there's a trickle down effect if it actually does happen on a serious note. But man, in a comedy note, we got to have some fun with that one. It feels like right now we are in the house talking about situations, and they are in the car driving to our house. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. There's our analogy on the situation. Step brothers when they move in. Well, that's a nice way to hit the break. Um, Better not bury them alive. When we come back, we look at who we think will be in, who we think won't be. We'll touch on who we think is going to win each division. And then, of course, wrap up the show with the power rankings here on the OHL and 60 podcast. Welcome back to the OHL and 60 podcast. I'm Reese Devaney along with Colin Ward. Time to look at who we think will be in, who we think will be out, and who we think wins the division. Less than 20 games to go for each team in the Ontario Hockey League regular season. So, yeah, it's time to have that conversation or start having that conversation. So, well, we'll start with the Western Conference first, and we'll start at the bottom. So, who we think will be out, who we think will be in. Let's start who we, and I mean, I guess this could be a general conversation more in the West because it is a lot tighter. So as we get ready, or as we are speaking on Wednesday, February 14th, of course, there are games going on. So these point totals could change. Windsor Spitfires, 37 points. Flint Firebirds, 46 points. Sarnia Sting, 47 points. Erie Otters, 50, and then just to make it interesting, Owen Sound Attack, 54 points. Guelph Storm, 55 points. Major focus will be on those bottom four teams. However, Guelph losing six in a row. Owen Sound, they have been better in their last 10 at 5-2-2-1, but still only four points ahead of the Erie Otters. So, Colin, I think... Do you think we're safe in saying the Windsor Spitfires will not be in the playoffs this year? Is that one I think we could both agree on? They would have to go eight and two in their next 10 games to get back in the hunt. Um, and I think eight and two would just get them within a couple points of the last playoff spot. It would really make it tight because Flint and Sarnia winning their last two games in a row, right? So you need them to go two and eight, which could happen, but I don't think it would happen. I think they're more yeah. three and seven ish around there just a couple points better so i think it's a big ask i think you're asking for a team that what we've saw so far what they are what we've saw as them as a product i don't think they do but you never know obviously you gotta play good hockey but right now for windsor i don't think they make the playoffs i think it's a big ask i think they gotta play really good and they have a tough schedule coming up they have some game again they have a game against london branford tomorrow night or tonight i guess for that matter um Branford will be short bench and they have a chance in that game, but 
it's go. They have a tough schedule here coming up, and it's one of those things that it's a big ass. You got to win the. You got to win some big three and threes. You're gonna have to win some big in division games against Saginaw, against Sault Saint Marie, and logically speaking, I don't think that's going to happen. So it's a big ask, and the spot that they're in, and the spot that they put in, and where the deadline went, I don't think they did. So that leaves us with Flint, Sarnia, and Erie is really the main topic of conversation. Those three teams just separated by four points. Um, it's it's easy to make the case for for all these teams to make it. It's easy yep. to make the case for them to not make it. I think with the Erie Otters, their biggest advantage is in net. Um, you know, not to say that Flint Sarnia don't have capable goaltenders. They absolutely do. But but Ben Godreau is the best yeah, out of the three. Yeah, but he's not there for six to eight weeks. Yeah. So, well, what week are we at? We've got to be close. This is week one. He's out. Uh, since the announcement last week was the announcement. So this is two, week two. So I'm out of I'm out of whack then. So throw that out the window. That's um, what I think it's a talking point. I think it's going to be close. So, yeah, blonde moment for me. I thought that was before, but um, okay. What Charlie Burns with the Otters, which not that he's been horrible, but again, is he a team that's going to, or is he a guy that's going to help a team get into the playoffs or, you know, solidify themselves in the playoffs? That's, I think, a topic topic of conversation. Flint Firebirds, I mean, Nate Day. Uh, you know, very good goaltender. I think very solid goaltender for the Firebirds. Would you put him as the number one guy right now out of those three? Oh, absolutely. I think I think Day is the most consistent. I mean, he's the most know what you're going to get, right? He's a veteran in the Ontario Hockey League. Charlie Burns is just a new onto the scene, and he's a guy that you're going to have the ups and downs with. He's a young goaltender, and. For Erie, right, they're a team that depends on you got to make those extra saves to win hockey games. They play hard, but you're going to have to make those saves. And they're 3-7 and seven in the last 10. They've lost four games in a row, the Otters. So, yeah, I, I agree with you on that one 100% with Nate Day. I think with Flint, I think what they did with the deadline, it's kind of interesting, right? They kind of sold, but they kind of bought at the same time, where I think that keeps them in. I think they're scoring. I think they'll score the best out of these teams as well. So that's going to be something to look into as well. Okay, so we've gotten that discussion out of the way. Um, goal scoring. Erie Otters have put 187 in the back of the net, and they they lead in this category out of these three yeah. teams. The Sarnia Sting have scored 160. That's the fewest out of these three. Flint Firebirds are, well, pretty well smack dab in the middle at 172. Now, all three teams have given up 200 goals, and they're pretty well right in the same spot. 207 for the Otters, 206 for the Sting, 210 for the Firebirds. So we'll kind of put that out the window. Um, With with goal scoring, um, obviously the Otters have scored more, but I think for for that category, it, it comes down to the special teams as well. And it's it's funny the way it works out because Erie has the best power play percentage out of these three teams, but the worst penalty kill percentage. Flint Firebirds have the second best power play percentage and the best penalty kill percentage. Sardia Sting have the worst power play percentage out of these three, but the second best penalty kill percentage. So, you know, 
I would say Flint and Erie are way less penalized than the Sarnia Sting. 547 for the Otters, 532 for the Firebirds, 617 for the Sting. So I think that's also another category we look at, Colin, as, and I mean, obviously you do. It's an important piece to winning hockey games and getting into the playoffs. But, you know, when you when you group together who's going to be in net, uh, you know, the, the goal scoring, who's going to score for, for the teams to get them into the playoffs, the special teams could be the deciding factor once again. And they're all kind of mixed yeah. up and Erie's just, odd because they've got the best power play percentage out of the three but the worst penalty kill percentage out of the three absolutely and it's a weird team right Erie's such an odd team because one week it, we're talking how pesky they are and they are a pesky team they play hard they're a good power play team they're a team that can put the puck in the back of the net but they can also give one up as fast as they can uh, do it obviously second in that tier right um flint giving up the most sarnia sec or sarnia with the least out of this mix but it's one of those teams where Erie, they can score at will at that point. But then one time you'll see them lose eight, nothing. It's so it's, it's such an odd team, right? Cause it's yeah. one of those teams where it should not take this long to be where they are. And I know Niagara gets a lot of shade, but if it wasn't for Niagara getting all the shade, Erie would be right there with them for the shade. And I don't think anyone can really argue that this team struggled and usually rebuilds don't take seven years in the Ontario hockey league. And this one has. So I think when, I think at the end of the day, they have a lot of questions to answer in management. They've went through multiple coaches. And we talked about this last year, actually about Erie reach at the end of the year, because it's one of those things where that you look at coaching, you look at where the, you look at management. They've had numerous coaching changes. This goes right on management. This goes right on the front office this season. And they, I thought, were forced to be successful this year. I don't think they have been. They got to make the playoffs. They don't make the playoffs. They got to, they have to make a change here. Um, or it's not going to be, or it's just going to continue down that rabbit hole. But speaking of tightness, right? Big home and home tonight, Flint and Sarnia. And then Friday night, Flint and Sarnia, the home and home. That's kind of the telltale, maybe, who gets in. Right yeah. momentum. That's kind of the telltale to see who gets in this week between Flint and Sarnia. I think Erie's going to get in. They got to tread water. They need Burns to play really well. His workload's going to go up. But I mean, Wednesday night they play Niagara national TV NHL network. They got to win that game. Niagara's played well. I mean, obviously two one losing to Sioux. They got outplayed dramatically. It wasn't for Owen Flores. I think Saint Marie wins that game eleven one um, with the amount of chances they had and how good Flores was. Um, in that game, and it looked like in front of them, just nobody wanted to play. Yeah. Um, but I just think Erie's one of those teams that got to win tonight. They have to win tonight. And Sarnia Flint, I mean, the pressure's on Flint going into this one point back, but they have two games in hand. So then the pressure, it's so 50 50. I, I mean, I mentioned Flint with the pressure, but truly really they don't have the pressure in this game, in this two on two. Both teams do because of the way it's shaping out here with the two games in hand with Flint and only one point def- uh, difference where Sarnia's going to win those games because the games in hand make them have to win those to uh, catch up. But this is going to be a fun weekend to see how those teams play out. And this weekend may have a big telling tale to how this season goes with 20 games remaining. Yeah. And by the way, for anyone wondering, Erie has not played in a playoff game since the 2017 Memorial cup final when they lost to the Windsor Spitfires. And that's, they- they technically made the playoffs in 2020. We also didn't finish that season. So they did not play a playoff game. So you're yeah. right, Colin. It's it's they, too long. They went all in. They won an OHL championship, got to the Mem Cup final. Niagara but has. But that's been it since. 
Yeah, Niagara had last in the playoffs in 2019, the last time they played a playoff game. So, yeah, yeah. You, you're right. If if it wasn't for Niagara and the, for lack of Proud a better term, get. the bleep show that they've they've had over well, the last get, few yeah. seasons they with all, all the their off-ice issues, um, yeah, yeah it, it'd be eerie, 100%. And, and there's no argument there. You, you haven't had a goaltender either since 2017. Like, yeah. and, and, and I don't want to say that because I, you know, we don't like talking badly about players, you know, and their hey. skill and abilities, but, yeah, but they have not had a true star goaltender since 2017. Is it the way they coach there? Because the loan goes to Saginaw and he's done pretty darn good. Could be, it could be a situation. And I know yeah. I'm going to bring baseball into this where uh, Justin Verlander went to a different level after leaving the Tigers to go to the Astros. And it's because the Astros pitching coaches were doing something different. And Chris the Carpenter. Tigers didn't pick up on it. So, yeah, it absolutely could be that. Larry Murphy going from the Toronto Maple Leafs Big to the time. Detroit Red Wings. Saved oh, yeah. his career. Like a lot of players. And then he won a cup leaving. The first of many players to leave that place and win. That's so funny. Yeah, good time. <laughs> hey. Though. Hey, if you're a player of the Toronto Maple Leaf system, I'm sorry, but if you get traded, you're probably going to win a cup. So congratulations. Yeah. Get out of there quick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but Absolutely. Hit them while they're hot. But, um, yeah. So so then we, we had decided on Windsor, and I know this is a tough decision, Colin, but let's let's make this a bold take segment as well. Yep. Who is the ninth, maybe not ninth, maybe Windsor jumps into ninth, but who is non-playoff team number two in the West? If the goaltending, and this is, uh, this is, I think this is fair. Flynn, I think, finishes up to seventh. I like Day. Um, Piers of goals where they have guys that can probably get them in a playoffs, but they're not going to win a round. They're Which not could explain them. some of the moves that we saw. Yes. That they just, they, they absolutely sold, they had to sell, and but they also need to get it. They're a true the, seventh the next seed. group. They are a true seven seed. They are a true seven seed, Flint. They're not going to win a round against Saginaw, which we could get back-to-back years of that, by the way, which would be incredible. Yeah, I'm down. Um, But I have Flint as a seven seed. Due to today's experience, Godro being out pushes Erie to eighth, which is going to be right down to the wire with the Sarnia Sting. If the Erie Otters don't win this weekend against Niagara, um, tonight against Niagara, and then they can't find a way to beat Oshawa and then Brantford on Monday, that's not a playoff team. And that's a tough schedule. Oshawa, I'm sure, is going to come out with a little bit of pee and vinegar. I don't think they're going to be. I don't think they're going to be. A uh, oh, yeah. I don't think they're going to be. Uh, I don't think they're going to be too happy to go into Erie like that. And, um, after how they've been playing, obviously we don't know about tonight's action with Owen Sound, but as we record on Tuesday night, it was one one the last time we checked. So they could win that game. Who knows? They'll get a point, maybe. Um, whatever. Either way, it's a big game in, in Erie. They're gonna get a team that comes out hard. The Otters gotta match that. And then two days later, they're in Brantford. Another team who's in first place in their division. It's doesn't get any easier for them. And I think with the way the schedule is, with the goaltending being the way it is, they're expected to play huge minutes in a guy that hasn't played a full season, who hasn't played a full month in the Ontario Hockey League yet. That's a big ask, in my opinion, yeah. in uh, for what they're asking on a Charlie Burns. Am I going to do it, though? 
I don't know. Are you? Do I trust him this weekend? Do you, here's it. Okay. Do the Erie Otters. So it's in? bold take, Colin. It's bold take day. Oh, man. To the Erie we could be wrong. We could be wrong. It's happened before. True. Did the Erie Otters beat the Niagara Ice Dogs? Did they beat Oshawa? Did they beat Brantford? Does Sarnia win a game against uh, Flint? I have. You know what? Yep. Flint seven because I think also the way they block shots, they're tough to get shots on against. Yep. Flint seven. Sarnia eight, Erie nine. I did it. I like Erie. I want Erie to be successful. There is no better building in the in the Ontario Hockey League than the Erie Otters, Erie Insurance Arena when they are in the playoffs. There is no better building. We saw the sellout against the London Knights this year. That was incredible a couple weeks ago. That was incredible. We need that. Like, haven't saw it in how many years? What, 2017? Yep. Oi. I'm I'm not ripping on a team, but there could be an excellent gif of social of other fans that would want to do that with a little bit of a dig of the Timpano stick throw. Throwing Man, the, I've got that video playoffs, saved. Then have the playoffs on the stick, throwing it away. I've but got video saved. I just hope, I really hope Erie gets in, in my opinion. But I don't know, man. The goaltending, they need Gojo back. They need him back. And uh, if that if he comes back and plays good, well, then there we go. Yeah. But I got to go Flint 7, Sarnia 8, Erie 9. Okay. Sorry, Otters. I really want you to get <laughs> No, and, it, and it's interesting because I brought up both Sarnia and Erie's list because I'm in agreement with you. I think Flint's get, Flint gets the seventh seed. I'm with you on that. So so I wanted to bring up the schedules for Erie and, and Sarnia. And by the way, Erie Otters, can you please make it easy to get the schedule? Under the schedule tab, it's just your promotions and giveaway, not your actual schedule. So that'd be cool if somebody could look into that because I was trying to get onto the schedule and I had to go to the OHL website to get it. So... Final five games for Sarnia look like this. Only two of them being at home. So first one, or fifth last game, I should say, they host Flint. They then go on the road to Oshawa and Sault Ste. Marie. They then return home to play Saginaw and then head on the road to play Flint. That's how the final two days of the regular season look for them is with Saginaw and Flint. But you go Flint, Oshawa, Sault Ste. Marie, Saginaw, Flint. For the Otters, your final games at Meridian Center against the Ice Dogs. You host the Saginaw Spirit. And it's funny, both these teams have two home games in their last five. So you host the Saginaw Spirit. You go to Flint, go to Windsor, and host Kitchener on the final day of the regular season for them. Three and two. Yeah. I I think that would be easy to expect. I think if you're the Erie Otters and hope to get into the playoffs, you absolutely expect to beat Niagara, Flint, and Windsor. Now that Flint game could be interesting, depending on where each team is. Um, so, but Saginaw and Kitchener are going to be those two games. If you can steal one, and obviously this is if they're in a position to to be into the playoffs, if they're like, five, six points out, it might be tough. But if we're in, if they're in the playoffs by two points at the time, if they're out of the playoffs by two points or time, 
I would say you have to beat Saginaw or Kitchener to get into the playoffs. Same with the Sardia Sting. You have to beat Saginaw, Sault Ste. Marie, or Oshawa. I think you have to go in and try to expect to beat Flint twice, which will be tough. But if you're going to get into the playoffs, I think you have to have that mentality of we're coming in and we are going to beat these guys. It's the Oshawa, Sault Ste. Marie, and Saginaw game that are a little tough. So if it's down to the last five games, schedule-wise, I like Erie. But I'm with you, Colin. They got to get there, though, this week's big. Yeah, they have to get there. They have to put themselves in a position to be there. I think Alan Latang is a big factor in this when it comes to coaching. I mean, big fan of Stan Butler. I, you know, if you're up in the third dump change, new guys chase after it. It's been like that for years. You also have to maybe look at that advantage. So for me, I, I'm like I said, I'm with you on Flint being seven on eight. I think I'm going to have to go with Sarnia as well. And, yeah. and I know I said Erie was going to be my surprise team this year. They're going to surprise a lot of people. I think they have with some of the results we've seen with their their record at this point. I think it has been impressive London. for where they came from last year. But if... Minus if, 30. Yeah, if the trend continues, yeah, I don't like their chances. So, uh, yeah, bold take day, Windsor and Erie for both of us don't make the playoffs in the Western Conference. Yep. So this next topic will be fairly quick because I <laughs> I don't think there's much discussion on it. And uh, yeah, this is yeah London Knights. I think are going to win the Midwest. That's not a bold yep. take by any means. And the way the Spirit are playing, they're going to win the West Division. I I yep. think, and I think you're in agreement with agreement with that as well, Colin. I mean, Sue Savory absolutely one. have the capabilities to go on a run. Kitchener, I think they're kind of past that point of getting towards their fourth so place. So they're looking at third right now, but yeah, I, I think yeah. they're more of a fourth fourth place team. So that debate's taken care of. We don't got to worry about that. Hey, you know what though? We will see the London Knights clinch a playoff spot this week. Seventy nine points. Yeah, 46. yeah. We've already seen Western one Western Hockey League team do it. The Saskatoon Blades. Yep. So see yeah. our first OHL team. Might as well follow suit. Absolutely. And Saginaw right after. Yeah, for sure. So let's head to the Eastern Conference now. And this debate, I think, isn't as going to be as lengthy as the Western Easy. Conference. So so the bottom four teams, as again, we, we speak on February 14th, 2024. Niagara Ice Dogs, 35 points in 10th. Peterborough Peets in 9th with 38 points. Barry Colts in 8th with 45. And the Kingston Frontenacs in 7th with 49. Uh, Kingston gets in, so let's not worry about them. I think that's a done deal. Yep. The Barry Colts have gone 5-3-2 and two in their last 10, which is miles ahead of the Peets and Ice Dogs in their last 10 games, albeit Ice Dogs have won three games, so only, only two less than the Colts. But when your power plays 11%, eh, tough to get into the playoffs when, when you get to that uh, that point, and, and even the penalty kill at 77.2. So I I think the Ice Dogs miss again. And, yep. and that's a something we both agree on. Uh, Peterborough Peets as well. They they knew this was going to be the case. Everybody knew this was going to be the case, albeit after their start, we probably didn't. But you know, we knew the selling was going to start, and we're seeing the effects of it now. So a, a seven-point gap, you know, you, it, it's tough because of the games in hand. Barry 
one of two teams who have not played 50 games yet. And the Pete's have played 51. So 49 for the Colts, 51 for the Pete's seven point gap with two games in hand. If you're the Colts, I'd feel pretty confident about confident about getting in the playoffs and extending Marty Williamson's streak of, of being in the playoffs. So I think that's decided, Colin, kind of like the top of the Western Conference, the bottom of the Eastern Conference. I think we're, we're a done deal on Peterborough and Niagara missing. Yeah, it's more of the divisions in the Eastern Conference. I think, and honestly, the only matchup I think is gonna, that could change is the 7-8 spot. Does Barry go on a little bit of a run here and pass Kingston? Does Kingston hit a little bit of a skid? That's the only thing that could happen with the game in hand on the Kingston front next to make it interesting, but it's not like they could pass Kingston with that game in hand. They'd have to win a head-to-head matchup, but that's really the only thing in the East that could change. Um, Other than that, not much is going to change from 7th to 10th. It's basically going to stay in that order unless 7th and 8th uh, flip-flop, but that's about it. Yeah. Okay, so so let's head to the top then. Uh, The current division leaders, we're looking at the Sudbury Wolves with 65 points and the Brantford Bulldogs with 62. In the hunt... For that division lead, North Bay Battalion at 62. Um, so we'll start with the Central, I guess. North Bay Battalion yeah. at 62. Mississauga a bit further back at 57. They're still in the conversation, but I also think they've no man's maybe land. put themselves out of it. Yeah, in no man's land, I guess, is a better way to put it. And then the East Division with Brantford leading at 62. You have Oshawa, of course, depending on how their game turned out on Tuesday. You know, they even with a win, they would still be one point back of the Bulldogs. So either at 59, 60, or 61 points for the Generals. And then the Ottawa 67s at 58 points. That's the team. Now, they're the team that has the games in hand. And they could, if obviously, if Brantford doesn't play. If Ottawa has two games before Brantford plays next, then Ottawa could tie the Bulldogs at the top of the East Division. So let, let's start with the Central, Colin. I think the Wolves have started to get on the run that everybody expected them to and the battalion are sort of sticking with them they're a little bit behind at six two one and one in their last 10 wolves eight and two i think special teams plays a huge factor in this as in the wolves at 22.6 percent on the power play battalion four percent lower than that whereas the battalion penalty kill is better four points or four percent ahead of the wolves so I think this could also come down to to coaching, to goaltending, kind of those categories we looked at at the bottom of the Western yeah. Conference. You know, Mackenzie, Ulihan between the Wolves and Battalion, uh, Vandenberg. I mean, we've seen a few guys in the Wolves net, so it's kind of a 1A, 1B situation, yeah. I, I would say. With the Battalion, obviously, you've got Dom DiVincentis. So, you know, who do you think has an advantage here, and who do you think wins – the central division this year right now the central division champion is going to be the Sudbury wolves um but this weekend is going to be a big telltale friday night the matchups north bay ottawa in north bay massive game saginaw goes to sudbury friday night right so that's a tough one i think north bay game i think north bay has a good shot has a lot better of a shot to beat ottawa than sudbury does to beat Saginaw, but that being said, Sudbury's playing great hockey right now. No doubts about it. They got better defensively. They're scoring goals. They're peaking right now. That's what we that's what we expected to see from the Sudbury Wolves. Um, trusted myself picking them to win the uh, division, win the Eastern Conference for that matter. 
Then Sunday, February 18th, Saginaw at North Bay, 2 o'clock. Sudbury comes comes west to play the Kitchener Rangers. Tough weekend. that This weekend, I don't know if it's going to stay in neutral or if North Bay can gain some games, but that's a very tough weekend, I think, for a team like both those teams, like Sudbury and North Bay, to gain ground on each other. I think one and one for both teams is a must, but how are they necessarily going to do that when they're playing great teams? I mean, Kitchener has to play better hockey, but the Kitchener Rangers are a good hockey team going into the odd like that on Sunday afternoon is a tough environment to go into for the Sudbury Wolves. That's a tough game. Saginaw going to North Bay on a road trip, right? Are they the team that's kind of favored this weekend? I don't know, but that's going to be tough right now. I got to go with Sudbury with the game in hand and three points up. That kind of gives them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. No, and, and it's interesting because you look at, with them being so geographically close, you're thinking, okay, they probably play each other two or three more times. That might be a good opportunity to gain some ground on one another. Uh, wrong. They play each other just once. Just one more time. March 10th, it's a 2 o'clock start at North Bay Memorial Gardens. So that that's one thing to look at as well. They've got most of their meetings already in the books. And, a, you know, we've seen a home and home here and there, so that kind of helps with that. But just one more matchup between the Battalion and the Wolves the rest of the way. And, you know, for me, I think it's the Wolves as well. I, I'm in agreement with you on that too. I think it's, you know, again, it's a matter of who gets hot when and who can take advantage of a team when they're not at their best, when they're in their lull yeah. in the season. And I think both teams have gone through a lull already. It's avoiding yeah. a second one at the worst possible time of the season. And and even one thing to look at, in, in terms of Western Conference competition, North Bay Battalion have six games remaining against Western Conference teams. and That's tough. Two Saginaw's thrown in there. So that's one of, obviously, the home-and-home matchups. Um, they've got Flint, and then they've got Sarnia twice, and then a Windsor's thrown in there as well. So, th- so that's what North Bay's got in terms of Western Conference competition. The rest, they'll battle it out against their against their own conference, own division. Sudbury Wolves, they go Sault Ste. Marie and Saginaw, like, like you had mentioned, Kitchener-Guelph. So their next four are against the Western Conference. Oh. And then it's not till March. They begin March against Sardia. They host Sault Ste. Marie one more time. They... Have a Windsor thrown in there as well. They have an Owen Sound thrown in there as well. And then they finish off on the road. And I think that's key. On the road in Niagara and then in Oshawa to end the year. And it's actually a three and three to end the season. So you go, that's tough. You you go home against Barry on the 22nd in Niagara on the 23rd and in Oshawa on the 24th. So if North Bay is within one point of the final weekend, North Bay wins the division, in in my opinion. And yeah. North Bay, to end the year off, they go home to Barry on the 20th, in Mississauga the 22nd, and then they host Peterborough on the 24th. A day off in between each game, like I said, one, two points within the division or tied, give me North Bay. But right now, I think on Bold Prediction Wednesday, I think the Sudbury Wolves win the division. Yeah, I agree with 100% with you on that one. So let's go to the East Division. 
Brantford Bulldogs, Oshawa Generals, and the Ottawa 67s. Really comes down to those three teams. And, yep. you know, when it comes to the Bulldogs, again, when the trade deadline came, they were in this position. So a lot of people were like, oh, what, what's going on? And, you know, us knowing, we fully knew what was going to happen. Yeah. And the Bulldogs not in a position to win a championship this year, although they kind of are at the top of the division. Position but, to win around. <laughs> you know, it's it, in their franchise as a whole, they're not in a position to win an OHL championship. That's next year no. or the year after. So, well, we can say that right now. It's not even a bold take. The Brantford Bulldogs are going to yeah. make a big move in the offseason. We already kind of know it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and it's funny because the only team already lined up. Yeah. And, and the only team out of these three that bought was Ottawa. Like, you can't say Oshawa bought. Yeah. I don't think you can. I don't think they did. They kind of did what Brantford did, I, I yeah. think. So Ottawa is the team, and they're the last of the three in, in the conference standings, albeit still in fifth, only a few points behind. But when you look at this division, Colin, it's it's really tough because I don't want to say nobody wants it, but Oshawa and Brantford with their moves clearly weren't looking to for sure capture a division title and go after a championship, but Ottawa was. So who do you pick? You know what? Right now, I think the Ottawa 67s with the two games in hand. I picked Ottawa at the beginning of the year, and I think i got to stay with that in their division. I think Ottawa's the team where the most pressure is on. The most pressure is on them to be successful in the division. Um, I think Ottawa is facing an uphill battle in the next year where I don't think Ottawa's a team that's a contender next year. I don't think they're a contender right now. But I think they have to win their division if we're talking pressure. So I got to go Ottawa with the two games in hand. I think that's big. Um, Ottawa one, Brantford two, Oshawa three. Oshawa's got a lot of stuff going down right now um, behind closed doors. Um, No questions about that. And we're not going to indulge into that too much. We don't do that here. But I will say that situation, Reese, and I think it's a personal aspect. I think for you, the listeners who are listening to this, thank you first off. But it's one of those things where – if we were in that spot, if we that go down in our dressing room, we're playing in a game, us, the listeners, we're playing in a game, and in our dressing room, something like that happens, it's got to be in your mind. Like, that's got to be in your mind. And I think that one situation um, is lingering right now. They have a great goaltender. Can't get run out of gas. That's the one thing that's going to be the thing about Austria. That's been the question for the last – three months so so i don't think that's going to happen i think he's pumped for the workload um yeah. what a job by oshawa not to move on from Austria at the deadline um i know they had a lot Pretty, of calls about i, I know they got say. a lot of calls yeah oshawa got a ton of calls on him and that was big for them not to uh move to keep him uh that was big for them but oshawa's a team where if they when they can when they're humming we know how good this team is yeah Right, but that in between is going to be big. Can they go one and one? Can they go two and two instead of going one and three or oh and three for this matter? But you know, they they either go three and oh or oh and three Oshawa on a weekend. It's never like they go one and one, it's so odd. Yeah, and I think I think for the Oshawa generals is and we've seen all three of these teams be on a run where it just seems like, yeah, they're running away with the division, nobody can stop them right now, but then reality sets in and you know, you realize you're not a stud team at, at that yeah. point, right? You still got to work towards it. So Brantford, we saw it kind of around the Christmas into January. Only saw Oshawa. one game of Nick Lardis and Zach Lavoie. 
Yeah. And they lit it up on the power play in that game. Yeah. So, and Oshawa, they're kind of coming out of their hot streak right now, being 0-2-1 in their last three. Ottawa, you could say they're on theirs right now at 6-0-2-1 as, as their streak currently right now. So Absolutely. That's why I got them. Yeah, both, you know, all three teams, like I said, we've seen them be on runs at a long period of time, extended period of time that they they look unstoppable and they're just kind of running through everyone. So, yeah, I I, I agree with you. We're not going to talk about Oshawa, what's going on behind closed doors. You're right. I think it probably, I think maybe it not pers- a whole lot. But tend I tend to know how much the effect would take on us. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? And I think what made it worse is kind of the – and I'm not saying it's the same scenario whatsoever. I have no idea. So if anybody out there takes this the wrong way, you're a clown because this is not what I'm saying at all. But it it kind of shines a light on it a little bit bigger after the press conference from the London police a couple yep. of Mondays ago for that Hockey Canada investigation and hockey players being involved with the police. So but that, I'm not saying it's the same scenario. I'm not saying Lockhart did the exact same thing. That's not what I'm saying at all. It could be something completely different. I have no idea. Like I said, if you take it the same way as as Hockey Canada, you're a clown and stop listening to hockey stuff everywhere because you know nothing. So that obviously, like you said, it, it probably takes some sort of toll on guys at certain points. Maybe not all guys at the same time, but you know, potentially it could. And and Ottawa, I think, yeah, the games in hand help. The streak they're on helps. Brantford having the a defeated blue line or depleted blue line right now doesn't help so well them not the 67s i'm sure it helps the 67s yeah. so yeah i i mean i picked ottawa at the start too i expected them to be leading the division right now pressure wise they have to yeah and well on their way to to winning the division so yeah give me give me ottawa as well um as well yeah i think it's it's something that i was in on to start the season and let's go with them again so all right, that's kind of our bold take Wednesday, you could say a little bit. But yeah, yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. Again, we'll continue to have this conversation. Teams will continue to rack up points. Some teams won't rack up points because they can't win. And it'll be a it'll be a fun rest of the season. And again, it's hard to believe we're in the middle of February already en route to the OHL playoffs. You can smell it, Wardy. You can smell oh, the OHL playoffs coming. Hey, so. And last week was a teaser for it. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate we are in the second coldest rink in the Ontario Hockey League when it was 11 degrees outside, but yeah. uh, we, we were okay. It was a cold, it was a good walk outside after the game. So, uh, all right, let's let's hit the power rankings here before we wrap up the show, Colin. Uh, let's start with your number five team this week. Or actually, we'll mention the the league power rankings as we usually do that beforehand. Um, totally slipped my mind there for a second. So, number sixteen spot up one the Flint Firebirds to number 15 up two spots are the Barry Colts. So a couple of teams moving out of the basement into the power rankings this week. Sarnia sting don't move. They're number 14. Owen sound doesn't move. They're number 13. Wealth doesn't move. They're number 12. Erie otters down one to number 11. Mississauga steelheads up one to number 10. Brantford bulldogs moved down one to number nine. Yeah. We're shaking our heads on that. <laughs> you one. go two and one on a three and two three. And yeah. yeah, you go two and one on the three and three, and you drop. Yeah. Good work. Yeah, Ottawa up one to number eight. I thought they should have moved up a couple more spots than that. Um, 
not to say that their point percentage or point total deserves it, but if we're basing it off of recent games, then yeah, it should have been more than one spot. Absolutely. Uh, Oshawa Generals down two to number seven. Kitchener Rangers don't move. They're number six. I thought that should have changed a little bit. Uh, North Bay Battalion up two to number five. Sue Greyhounds down one to number four. Sudbury Wolves up one to number three. And then the top two don't change, kind of like how ours will probably look. Number two is Saginaw. Number one is London. Colin, who is your number five team this week? My number five team, I mean, points in their last nine games, you, you got to do it. Ottawa 67s. Points in the last nine. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I had them as well. I, I, they're playing great hockey right now. Yeah, they're, they're playing their again, best hockey. They, they've put themselves in a position to grab maybe a tie, maybe within one point, but you know a chance to be in the conversation or or be even with, with the Bulldogs with the amount of games in hand and the run they're on. They've put themselves in that position. They've played well enough to do so. So, yeah, give me Ottawa as well at number five. Uh, Colin, who's number four? Well, for me, the Sudbury Wolves. Um, Sudbury, by far, right now is a hot... Well, not by far, because the Ottawa 67s are coming. But they've been the best team in their division right now. They've been the hottest team in the East, Sudbury Wolves. I have to go Sudbury 4. For me, Sue's 4. And... I respect been, that. They've been great in their last 10. I have no issues with the way the, the Sue Greyhounds have been playing. I think that... It's tough to not ignore the fact that, and I don't want to say they gave up the division lead because Saginaw worked their butts off to to get to where they are, but that six point gap of the division I think is is a little bit of a a tough pill to swallow for Sue. I think they yep. thought that that was one they not going to run away with, but you know they built themselves a comfortable lead enough to to win the division. So you know that's tough. I, Sue, it could have gone either way um, for me. I, I'll, I'll give my number three now. The reason being is, is the Sudbury Wolves are number three. And and the fact they're eight and two and they've won four in a row. And the goal total is is climbing. It continues to climb. Uh, their differential, albeit it's close to Sue, I'm not going to do the math. That's a lot of work. But the Sudbury Wolves have scored 241 goals. Sue has scored 212. And and that's a big factor where when I look yep. at, at at power ranking. So Sue, I mean, much less penalized, but again, Sudbury will be number three. Sue will be number four. Uh, Colin, who's your number three? Same, same way. Just the opposite, yeah, honestly. You, you can cut it with a butter knife, honestly. You can cut it like cut and smooth, uh, warm butter. It's so close. Um, this is so tight. Like three and four this week is so tight in the way. It looks right now in the standings, uh, analytically, the way it looks. I mean, the way these two teams shape up, they look so similar, right? You mentioned the goals. Yeah, Sudbury, but then the penalties favors Sue. It's so yeah. it's so tight where I just think the Western Conference team and the team I, I think just seeing Sue play live so far, that they've impressed me the most out of any team. Obviously, I haven't saw Saginaw play live yet, which I am excited for in a couple weeks' time. Yep. But right now, Sault Ste. Marie, three for me. All right, so number one and two, I think that's, again, pretty obvious. London, number one. Saginaw, number yep. two. Yeah, that doesn't change at all. That'll probably Good be show. the way it goes uh, the Hopefully rest of the Hopefully, if I know what shampoo to use. Yeah, yeah so, so we were going to start with that, but we had so much to get to that we didn't. So 
quick story time with Colin here at the end of the show because brutal. And for anyone out there, feel free if you want to shoot him a message on Twitter or X, please do and send a photo the difference between face scrub and shampoo. Just you take a picture like side by side uh, of the two (laughs) bottles because I think for me it's pretty obvious and I, I. Unless you're using some kind of weird facial scrub, I think it's a little bit of a different texture too. At least mine is. So, Colin, please feel free to share the story. I've probably said too much. I woke up Tuesday morning, like quarter to six. Um, Had to be out the door by 6.30. So I um, got up and usually always get up, take a shower. I got the shower. I don't really read the thing I it's just such a reflex, such a habit. Like the shampoo bottle is always in the same spot, conditioner is always in the same spot. Um it turns out though, for the last month, I think yeah, my girlfriend Liza got it a month ago, I think, this new shampoo. I've accidentally been using oh gosh. I've accidentally <laughs> been using her face cream, her face cream as my shampoo. And lucky I don't eat I don't need a lot of shampoo. Um my hair is not that long. It can get long, but it's not that long. It's kind of medium right now, like middle of the pack. But man, I keep I cannot believe I was using face uh, cream for the last three weeks of as shampoo because it's in the exact same bottle. And I read the label, like, and I guess I read the label once and didn't read the fine print and just said, "Oh, whoop," and just started silking and. Next thing you know, the party's on. But, yeah, there's my blonde moment of the week. And I called my girlfriend on the way home uh, from work today on Tuesday. And I was like, hey, uh, do you know where the shampoo was in the shower this morning? She's like, where it always is. What do you mean? Turns out the bottle that I usually use was sitting by the sink. It was her face cream. So tough day, tough, uh, tough luck. But, hey. You live, you learn, and anyone that knows me says, "Oh, that's such a well, no, that's such a Colin move." Getting like when I get up, I don't wake up until I get out of the shower. I, I'm just one of those guys. I don't drink coffee, as you know, Reese. Like you can yeah. count on one hand how many coffees I drink a year. Yeah. So I'm not a coffee guy in the morning. I'm not a big breakfast eater because I hate feeling like full and like you know, like when you feel like full all morning. I feel like that's the worst feeling in the world to feel like. So full. I like a good. I like a good breakfast sandwich though from like Tim Hortons or breakfast wrap. That's perfect. But like a big like porridge meal for breakfast makes no sense to me because it just I don't feel great after. But yeah, that's my way of waking up. But it turns out waking up was face cream on my hair. But bad luck. You live, you learn. And hey, at least I saved the shampoo for my girlfriend. So you're welcome for that. But hey. I'm probably in trouble for using your face cream on my hair for the last time for the last three weeks. That's not a good look, but Hey, you're wondering why it's so silky, the hair. And honestly, actually, I don't even notice a difference. So it's kind of funny. Might be a new trend. <laughs> That's hilarious. I'm on TikTok, So is that the, is that a thing? I don't know. Is that like a new thing? I'm still not. So, Hey, you I'm, know what? Hey, fine with hey it. you know what though? Shout out to the followers of the show account on TikTok. Um, big views already on the show, so that's uh, right on. Uh, uploading the clips and stuff, some highlights and uh, some show links on there, and uh, shout out to that. That's right on. Um, we see you. 
So thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. And we thank everybody for, for tuning in every week as always. Of course, the show is called the OHL and 60 podcast. However, more times than not, it's over 60 minutes. So we appreciate you sticking around for, for the whole show and for listening to us ramble on about the Ontario hockey league every single week. So we appreciate it as always. And again, apologies about the delay, some scheduling conflicts, but, uh, we were able to get the show up a day late, but still good to go. Still got the content for you. So saying that, again, thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy the upcoming week. Enjoy the upcoming weekend. And we will chat again in six days. Uh-huh.